politics Some culture and craft beer Politics And that is why you're here Politics Adam's up Welcome to Potoms Up. Fred and Blotto discuss the politics of today, the culture of our lives, and the beer of our state. Hello and Potoms Up, everybody. We are in episode 68. And uh, 1968 was a very interesting year. Um, there's some sad things that happen, but I, I ran across one that kind of made me chuckle a bit and you Trekkie fans will probably get a kick out of this. In 1968, America had its first biracial kiss on TV. It was Captain Kirk molesting Lieutenant Uhura. (laughs) Hmm. If you can imagine that. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting and. And then I did mention there was a couple sad things. I didn't realize it, but uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and both Bobby Kennedy were assassinated in 1968. So it it was a pretty uh, amazing year from that standpoint. All right. For sure. I thought your trivia had to be music related. I know. What well, happened to that? I I I don't know. I wanted to mix it up a little bit. You made it one episode. <laughs> All right, I mixed it up. <laughs> you knocked it out of the park last week for your first time and then just... Okay, all right. So, sorry about that for our Canadian <laughs> friends. All right, so with me is Blotto and Nobs as usual. How are you guys doing? Excellent. going to be Nobs? a fun time. Uh, I have to go back to work, and I'm not ready for that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're not laughing at you. Because the state officially opened the 15th? Uh, My local government is opening up uh, on Monday. So I have to go back. So you're not a happy camper, eh? Not necessarily. Gotten used to that work at home thing? Uh, I've been used, I've gotten used to being safe. Hmm. Yep, kudos to that. All right. Well, we also have a uh, special guest with us tonight. Uh, Leon will be joining us. And uh, I've known Leon for many, many years. And uh, we'd like to welcome him to the podcast and uh, throw it his way. And uh, maybe he can tell just a little story about who he is. I'm thrilled to be here. I think this is exciting. I will tell you that I'm okay because I, 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 in your typical greeting with people, when you ask how they're doing, I've been finding myself lately pausing and just saying, okay, because it's pretty hard to say great or good or whatever, because we're living in some really weird times. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Leon, the first thing I, I do want to ask you about uh, is uh, Leon is a, a nickname. Is a is it a nickname that you have had to live with, or did you just create it for this evening? Yeah, I've been living with it for about an hour and a half, <laughs> <laughs> if that. 
Um, <laughs> uh, so it's just something random you pulled out, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I could have pulled 20 or 30. I love nicknames. I think nicknames are fantastic. So, I mean, I think it's cool to have a different nickname for different people, you know. But today it's Leon. All right. Leon the professional. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I just immediately thought of airplane. <laughs> yep, that's only a good one. With Leon. Well, you know, actually what made me think of it is I don't know if you guys watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. But there's a guy on that show called Leon who is absolutely hysterical. And I'll just leave it at that. All right. That's a great choice. Love it. Um, maybe you want to give us a little background on yourself? Sure. Uh, as quickly as I can. I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for, I guess, almost 35 years uh, in, in Michigan. I went to law school at Wayne State University. I've been practicing since then. I do a lot of different things. Go I have warrior. a. I'm a warrior. Although I actually, uh, what what were the, what were we tartar, or tar? That's what it used to be before they cha- they scandalously changed the name to warrior. I, I have some friends that will never let that die. Sure, but, I uh, yeah, you don't want to let go of that. Right. Now, I have some friends that will fight to the death that they are always a tar or a tart or whatever it was. Uh, I have a profound interest in politics and and uh, I am glad I have a legal background because I think it's a kind of a door into some of the things, particularly now with what's been going on in this country. Uh, I. I would love to have been a legal services lawyer for my whole life, but that's a tough road. And maybe someday I'll get back to it because I think it's a great, uh, it's a great service to the community to represent indigent people and, uh, and work for legal services. Yep. Couldn't agree more. All right. Um, you know, I, uh, I suppose somewhere in the, you know, past, uh, we may have come across each other's paths. Um, but certainly I, I, I do know you uh, from uh, social media. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that, um, you know, Fred thought it would be great to have you on as a guest because, um, you know, you, you, you offer a lot of insight and uh, very articulate and poignant comments in the sm- in, in the social media sphere um, that I think get to the heart of the matter of what's going on in this country. And uh, so I, I always in- enjoy uh, reading your comments and posts. Well, thank you for that. I, I you know, social media can be a great thing. Uh, well, it's just like anything else. It, it, it can communication can be wonderful and great. It can also be very, very bad. So I try to, I think I'm very, very open-minded. And I try and uh, utilize that to maybe give people some insight that they might not have had. And in addition to that, I think that we have a difficulty 
in this country, and we have for 20, 30 years, where there's there's Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and both sides can be locked into their position so much that they don't even want to listen to what you have to say. So sometimes it's good to back your way in and get people to see that maybe the way they thought th- the way things are really isn't the way they are. No, no doubt about it. It definitely uh, has its challenges. And we've, you know, we've, we've, we've talked on, on such topics before, um, you know, kind of the psychology of tribalism um, as armchair psychologists, as podcast psychologists, worse than armchair. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, let's, uh, let's uh, dispense of the uh, introductions uh, now and get to the beer. What's really important here, what Problems Up is ultimately about. Fred, uh, all right, uh, yeah. In the treasure trove, is it was your turn to provide? Absolutely. Well, uh, I found myself in uh, beer shopping this week. That uh, because we've had some kind of cold, dreary weather, yet we're hopeful for sun. I kind of found myself vacillating in the middle there. So I, I, I started out with a spring slash summer type beer. I don't know this that it's going to be that, but just from the, uh, the can and the artwork, it definitely looked like summer. This is, uh, an offering from Bell's Brewery. It's the Flamingo Fruit Flight and, uh, Fight. Fruit Fight. Oh, fight. I don't have my glasses on. (laughs) Sorry about that. It's, it's sort of a Flamingo Fruit Fight kind of has a, a Dr. Seuss ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Like Tweedle Beetle battle. Some great alliteration is what it is. I, I find it difficult. I, I don't think it's great alliteration. Great alliteration should just flow naturally. I don't mean to shoot down the, <laughs> your point there. <laughs> Man, but, I, but I will anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that mean to, but he's but no problem doing it. Fruit fight. No, that's, that's, that, that's, uh, it's difficult to say. Okay. It's a bell. It's a tongue twister. Yeah. It's a tart ale brewed with passion fruit and lime, and it said this fruit fight started when two flamingos walked into a bar. You wouldn't believe what does it say? You wouldn't what happens believe next? What happens next? <laughs> it's in a bright pink can and lots of color, lots of splash. So, how about we pop it open? Oh, it's a 5.0 alcohol by volume, and I. Couldn't find any IBUs. I don't expect there is much here. So, we'll what do we know up. about a tart ale? I mean, I have never heard of a tart ale before. Uh, so, is this a, a a whole category of a beer, or is this like an offshoot of like a sour or something like that? I think they're trying to intrigue you. <laughs> Nothing beyond that. Um, oh, it's kind of hazy looking. Very hazy, uh, cloudy as you're pouring it, you know, and I think it's. Got- it looks like pineapple juice. I'm going to remove my Max to lift it up to my lips, if it's all right with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, always uh, practicing proper protocols. <laughs> it's got an odd bouquet. It, yeah, I'm not so sure about the smell. Woo! It's kind of stanky. Hmm. It reminds me of something we used to drink in college called a strip and run naked. 
I don't know if you guys ever did that, but it was it was beer, and then you put in lemonade and uh, and vodka, and sometimes you ended up stripping and running naked after drinking it. But it reminds me a little bit of that. Um, this uh, first impressions are this is really stretching my uh, bandwidth for likability. That was diplomatic as hell. Yeah. Right, you know? <laughs> I'm, 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 because I want to like the beers, right? I mean, I, I always want to like the beers, and uh, uh, I'm, I haven't been able to put my finger on what it tastes like because I'd never had a strip and run naked yet. Um, <laughs> but, but it does remind me of something other than a beer. What would that be? I, I can't put my finger on it, but maybe no, I, I'm with you, Blotto. There, there's another type of drink that this reminds me of, and I don't know what it is yet. I mean, like a screwdriver or something. Yes, I'm thinking of screwdriver, but like a screwdriver with pineapple in it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a beer. It seems like somebody added beer to another drink. That's uh, some weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm expecting pulp to be in there. Is there any pulp in this? Uh, right. Blender. Somebody had a yeah. blender to put this together. Hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, can so you make it into like a smoothie or something? It's it's tart, right? It, it does kind of you know sizzle back at the glands a little bit, right? Um, I, I do taste the lime. There's no question about that either. Mm-hmm. You know, for beers that should be refreshing, you should want or be able to guzzle them, right? Like you're thirsty, it's hot. This is obviously a summer beer, but I don't think I can guzzle this beer. I think it's still a sipping beer. It's almost like fruit juice. Yeah, you know, it's a it's, one beer. I think it's a one. I, I I can't see myself drinking too many of these at one time. But it's it's you know it's something different. It kind of reminds me of another thing in college when you woke up after the party. And there was a keg that had gotten to room temperature and you and you and you rushed to mix it with some cold lemonade to try and salvage a few drops. Your MO was just to mix anything with lemonade, right? <laughs> then it was drinking. You, know, you know, it could be. I'm gonna party with Leon from now on because yeah. <laughs> sounds like you do it proper. <laughs> the dude is resourceful. There is no right. It's about it. It's efficiency there. It also looks like it's thickening up. <laughs> Solidifying when meeting it's, air. It's not, but it just looks like it. I, don't I know. could see this. I could see drinking this when it's 80 degrees and sunny. Yeah, that, you know, it'd be pretty good. Not too many, though. What about freezing it into a, a, into cubes or a... I, uh, oh, a popsicle. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that. Fred, you haven't heard much about it. Well, I haven't had a chance. You guys, you guys have kind of been uh, talking quite a bit about. It. You, you, you don't have to embarrass me. Just say, "Now I'm giving you your chance." At that point, no. and then he keeps talking. I I agree with you guys in that it doesn't strike me that much as a beer. It it it's got a real like fruit juice texture and taste to it. Um, uh, 
it, it it's I, I've had a number of sips and each one has been kind of equally unsatisfying. So for right now, I'm gonna say this is not for me. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure about this. The can sucked me in, and I was fooled. And it does not have a good aroma. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm with you on this. I I can't see myself reaching for another six pack. What we normally do, Leon, is um, you know, we 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 understand that there's a beer for everybody out there, so. We never try to slam beers. We, we we try and put it in terms of, all right, you've had one, you're drinking it, would you order another one? And so we normally is, we try to rate it, is it for me? Is it a meh, not so much, or not for me? So th- that's generally how we try to rate them. Well, no, I think that's great. And I love variety uh, tremendously. And I love trying different things. But, you know, I I'd, I'd probably would agree with you guys. I don't know if. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the other five that I have here, <laughs> or actually four, because I and, did try one later or earlier. And 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 uh, now you know you can't have guests over, right? So <laughs> yeah, you can't do you do? push them off on your guests. Popsicles, I think that was suggested earlier. <laughs> I did have a, a a black ale for dinner. Those are good beers. The ones uh, we yeah, have mine, mine are gone. Yeah, Those were pretty good actually. <laughs> uh, I have one more comment about this beer. Yeah. Um, there's one thing, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it: I will never be in a bar with a bunch of my friends and say, "Give me a flamingo fruit fight." <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> uh, it, it means that. Knobs has security issues. <laughs> what was the Seinfeld episode where they said, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I probably, you know, if, if I saw you doing that and, and didn't know about it, yeah, I probably would do a double take. What was, right. what was that, Knobs? <laughs> it, that's a conversation starter for sure. <laughs> Uh, the can is certainly a lot better than last week's blueberry shandy, though. I'll give it that. Ugh. Yeah, right. The, the marketing's much better. Yeah, I still have one of those things left in my fridge, and I was like, oh, "What am I going to do with this?" Yeah, I've got five. <laughs> yeah, it'll oh, be nice this week, though. I have yeah. found myself because I've double checked on the reviews, pulling out a beer and drinking one that I rated not for me. And Absolutely. like when you own them. You drink them, right? Yeah, yeah, you still yeah. drink them. So um, I don't know what that really means, uh, you know, for the, you know, for the weight of our ratings. If we give something and not for me, and then we have a couple. Well, not for me is basically you would never order it again. Yeah, I. But you already have it. You got so them, right? So what are you going to do? It's right in front well, of you. This you comes down to simple economics. You laid out your ducket. You're going to drink it. <laughs> That's where it is. <laughs> That's where the rubber meets the road. As I take another drink of this um, interesting concoction. 
concoction. I love that. Yeah. Well, you know, they have to keep trying different stuff. Yeah. You know, Bell's is Bell's has got a lot of good beer too. So, you know, they drove off the road a little bit here, but you know, for the most part, they you gotta try different stuff. Yeah. Well, and they may have very well achieved what they were going for. And sometimes we've talked about beer that way. Is it is it a quality beer? Is it a well made beer? And you know, in that case, I think you know, this beer probably achieves what they had in mind. I, I just, I, I, I started oh, yeah. uh, enjoying it. <laughs> I'd agree. I'd agree with that for sure. I mean, what's on the can is what's in the can. So, you, you know, last, for Bell's for making it. Last week, uh, Leon, um, the two beers that we had, they weren't necessarily bad beers. And in fact, we even liked them in some ways, but the marketing was terrible. I mean, what 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 the can said and what you got in the inside uh, were very very different. So, oh, and that's a bit that's a big deal. It is. It, it really you know, is. It is. It is. Yeah, because you know you're 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 trying to decide you know what beer to drink and what your mood is and what the situation is, and um, you, you know, and, and then you open it up and it might be okay, but not what you wanted. So, I would I would e- I would even say that that marketing has passed quality on the level of importance mm. with most. I mean, I, I, my view is in the boardroom, the guy that is, is comes up with the good plan for marketing is praised. And the guy with taste is just like, Oh, okay, whatever. So that, but that's part of where we are in, the, in, in our society these days. It probably goes something like, oh, the dude with the marketing, that's awesome. Brewer makes something. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you're right. You're, right? You're, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm I, always sure talk about, I always talk about the shrinking cans and shrinking cereal boxes that are in the grocery store now. It's like, <laughs> you know, what's, what's going on? They should make a sci-fi movie about it, that somebody has come here and shrunk all of the stuff we were buying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting observation <laughs> girl scout cookies are definitely smaller today oh let's go on this <laughs> well you can't no, keep raising sure. the price so yeah they raise the price and they're 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 now like wafers that makes them more shishi <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's on my exception list though because i eat too many of them so you know, if the box is smaller, that's probably only good for me. Yeah, they're doing us a favor. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I think we got a lot to talk about uh, this past week. Um, and, you know, it was another week that drew our attention away from COVID uh, in many respects. W- wouldn't you say, Fred? Oh, yeah. Lots of shiny objects this week. Um, and that's certainly, you know, uh, one of the president's strategies is always to create a shiny object for her, his cult following to latch on to. Um, and, and this week he started a doozy, didn't he? I don't know which one are you talking about. Obamagate. I, I mean, I'm looking at my notes here and there's a few we could start out with. <laughs> But I don't look at my notes often enough. Uh, well, since you mentioned the Obamagate, that 
that's a great place to start, I guess. I mean, here we go. Another tinfoil hat moment with this bunch. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's remarkable of what the Trumpsters are trying to pull off here. And, and it's, is it remarkable that it's gaining traction? Should, should we be surprised by the fact that this completely, you know, made up, it's, it's not even a conspiracy theory. It's, it's, it's so thin. It doesn't even rise to that level. But yet, it's it's gaining momentum. Well, I think that's what happens when you're weak-minded and are op- open to accepting anything dear leader says. Yeah, you know? I, I suppose that's what he that's what he counts on. I, I mean, we should probably explain at least what we think Obamagate is, because here's the funny. I mean, it, it has to be. Really, I, I think kind of the, the quote, I'm not going to give the full quote of the week, but when a reporter asked him what were the criminal charges and he could not name them, he could not come up with them. He said they're obvious. <laughs> can he can he name the letters in the alphabet? Uh, I I doubt it. I, I, I really doubt it. But, okay. um, you know. So, so, so help me understand, uh, uh, Fred, what, what, what do you think Obamagate is? Well, you know, I mean, you really have to dig a whole lot deeper and you have to go way back in terms of time to see what's happened here. And uh, this is the way I always look at it. His followers are like a bunch of six-year-old kids that you that they they want to believe what he says so bad that it's he's like Santa Claus and like you're coming into the room and you're trying to tell these kids that there's no such thing as Santa Claus and what they're doing is they're looking at this and they're saying oh my god Santa Claus brings gifts and you know I'm not going to get any more gifts and so you have to look at what he gives those people in order to really understand why they are so unwilling to listen to anybody with a contrary point of view. And, you know, if you want me to tell you what I think about what what the gifts he gives are, I'm happy to do it. Most people don't want to talk about that. But I think it's all about racism. And yeah, we agree with that. But, yeah. but, I, well, but I have a very complicated view of why that is. And it's... It's not as harsh as as a lot of people want it to be. My own view is that the word racist has been thrown around in this country way, way, way too much to the point where a lot of white people are sick of it. And, I mean, we used to have a word called prejudice. And it was, if you remember correctly, that was the big word until probably... I don't know, maybe the 90s, when we were young and they were talking about busing, it was all about racial prejudice and all that stuff. Racism to me is a much higher level of, it involves hatred. And a lot of white people are very sensitive to that. And 
they're sensitive to it to the point where they're tired of being called racist. So when he stands there and he says, you know, there's good people on both sides, there's a lot of white people who are probably fairly decent people who are sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, I was called a racist for this. And, I, and you know, I mean, don't get me wrong when I say this. I mean, I, I don't have any great sympathy for, for white people who feel like they've been victimized. I think that's complete ignorance. Because the test at the end of the day is, would you rather wake up in the morning being uh, a minority race or would you rather wake up being white? And anybody that's going to tell me that it doesn't make a difference is, is completely out of their mind. So I think he feeds that. And it's very powerful. It's very, very powerful. And so they never talk about it. I mean, this is, this is the greatest secret in the world. But they that they all believe it, and I, and and unfortunately, uh, it's not the kind of thing that you can just beat out of them. Uh, it takes some, it takes some rational thought and discussion to make them understand that you know, just because just because he might feel that way, there's a lot of reasons why supporting him isn't good. You know what you were just saying there reminds me of an exchange that I had um, on Facebook, and I thought it was really, really solid. Um, a friend of mine had posted something about the uh, uh, Aubrey killing uh, down in Georgia. Right. And one of his friends... Uh, who I, I, I think he meant well by what he said. He said, imagine getting shot for just jogging. And so then I commented underneath that. He didn't get shot for jogging. He got shot for being black. And then another person wrote underneath what I had written and I'll paraphrase, they said, we have to change that narrative. He didn't get shot because he was black. He got shot because of racist white people. And I thought, wow, that's hitting it. You know, I mean, that is where the blame has to go. And that's where it has to be called out. And I, and I really like the way, I think it was a, a, a gal, the way she kind of spun it and and said no you know we're not going to blame people for being black thought it was good well i mean i i kind of feel like they're almost saying the same thing but you know Wait, no no it's a you know, there's some for sure is it's a, it's a, but i liked it i liked the way that you, you know what i mean it was, it was putting it back on the perpetrators and 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 calling them out as racist because what's happening in the media on that case in particular is you you hear about it, it it having you know racial overtones to it, but you don't hear people and the and the national media and both sides of the aisle calling these guys racist. That's the that's the part of the equation that's missing because well I mean you know let me let me just as racist. you know I mean I, my my viewpoint on this is very very complicated because I don't subscribe to 
one or the other. I mean, there's a lot of things I, I believe in my life that I don't just jump to one extreme versus the other. And let me tell you a real quick story. A friend of mine who lives in Detroit had a, a young man across the street from him who got into some criminal ma- problems. And, and we were trying to help the guy. He was a black guy. And uh, so I was, I volunteered. I, I went to court with him and, and it turns out he was stopped at a place because where he worked, he came back, he got fired from that job and he came back that night and they were very nervous and he, w- he wouldn't leave. So the, uh, the police were summoned and they came and, you know, this is all on video and the police were literally begging him to leave. And they said, please leave, please just leave. You know, nothing will happen to this. Just go home. And he wouldn't do it because he was convinced that he was being singled out because he was black. And I, I reached a point with him where I said to him, you know what, sir, you do more harm to the to black people's fight for equality than you help it because you're trying to make this out as being a racial issue when it's not. And, and, and I think we need to be very rational and look at things in individual cases. And there's a lot of cases like this. And I think that there's a huge section of white people that are really tired of it. Okay. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I have seen it. I, 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 I have seen it over. I've seen it so much that it's the norm that the black person gets singled out because of this. I was driving my car. I told a client, a black client of mine to meet me at the bank. I was driving uh, in front of him down the street and he got pulled over for speeding. (laughs) So I went to court. I went to court with, you know, I volunteered to go to court and the judge calls the case. And I said, well, you know, I was driving in front of him because we were going to my bank and he wasn't speeding. And the judge said, well, maybe you were speeding too. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it exists. We need to be smart. If there's anything we need to be in this society, it's smart. We need to stop judging things quickly and we need to be smart. There's many more examples and it goes across the gamut. But I'm telling you, this is the appeal for this guy. He's a nut job. This president of ours, we could stop having classes in first year college on psychology and just have people, students watch him and they would learn as much about psychotic behavior as it, it, as there is in the classroom. But uh, we have to figure out a way to get this message to people so that they make intelligent choices. I... Uh... Part of that says it's very wishful thinking. Like oh, I, of course. I, I just don't know how that comes about. Like, like my solution to fix this is to just beat them back. Like, like you want to be ignorant? That's the world you want to live in. I'm going to overrun you with numbers. I'm going to overrun you with votes. I'm going to overrun you with, uh, you know, popular opinion. I'm going to my. I'm going to you know, make your opinions, desires, fears so minimal 
that they, they don't exist anymore in, in my world. You can still have them. I just don't think that we're, that American society is any way equipped to, to get more people to rise up to a level of, um, you know, intellect and, and thought. Um, I just, uh, and, no, I, I, I agree with you. This is, this would be my strategy. And you know, what's interesting about this is my daughter, my daughter works for the democratic party in Washington, DC. And, uh, I've met Tom Perez a couple of times cause she works for him. You know, let me tell you something. He's a wonderful guy. He's a wonderful guy. Anyway, this is my feeling of the strategy. To me, the strategy is you say, you know what? When I was growing up in the 70s, I think the liberals were going too far. And maybe what has ha what happened was what should have happened. The, you know, they elected Ronald Reagan. Everybody knows the conservatives love Ronald Reagan. I have, <laughs> I don't have any great love for him. But, and then, but I say, but you know what? I think we're going the other way now, and they've gone too far the other way. And I think it would be good for us to change like we did back in the 70s and maybe support Democrats, because Democrats seem to be the level-headed ones right now. And, you know, I mean, my hope is that even a small percentage of people, 5%, maybe 10%, who aren't those hardcore extremists on either side would say, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I think they're going a little bit too far and and switch over. Whether that will happen or not, I don't know. My prediction, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they you know, they they've put themselves in a place where there is no quarter, where there is no compromise because they have been conned and have wrapped themselves up in this idea that liberalism is bad and liberalism is whatever, you know, Trump says it is. And, you know, Breitbart and Fox News. I, I um, it's really hard for me to see uh, how they sort of come around to say, you know what, maybe we have taken this too far. Maybe having, you know, naked Barbie dolls on a noose out in front of the governor's mansion is too far. Well, I, but you know, I, I think they're applauding that guy. And well, but see, well, I think she, she puts out some statement that, you know, that's not who we are, but it's, that's all dog whistle bullshit. Well, first of all, first of all, I, I mean, the hardcore people on both sides you're never going to get to budge, okay? They're going to believe what they want to believe. And I, I've, I've been shocked recently to hear some of the supporters of, of Bernie Sanders spouting off that they, Biden, oh, he, he's, he's just as bad as Trump. You know, I've been shocked by that. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> take a look at Facebook. Take a look at all of your friends and add up how many of them get caught up in this kind of dialogue. It's a small percentage. The overwhelming majority of people don't want to talk about these issues. They're uncomfortable with it. They may vote. They probably will. 
these are the people I want to say, yeah, you know what? I, I know a lot of people that voted for him, but he's he's doing crazy stuff. I think I'm going to vote on this end. First of all, I think he was elected by like the strangest set of circumstances coming together in the world. Of course. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm optimistic. Yeah. There's lots Although, of I'm sorry, you didn't hear you. No, no, I, I was just saying there. Yeah, there's a myriad of reasons that he was elected and they all just sort of fell into place. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you you were saying you're optimistic. Uh, I'm 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 assuming you're you're we're talking about the upcoming election. Yeah, I'm optimistic, but you know it's always good to have conversations with people because I have a lot of friends that say, "No way, he wins." You know, and these aren't people that support him. Uh, and you know, I mean. I could go on and on forever about some of the problems in this country. One of them has to do with with voter turnout and welcoming voter turnout. To me, it's embarrassing. And, and I don't know how anybody, I don't know how any leader in this country stands up and talks about democracy. This country for years has not really been interested in democracy. If If, if somebody is elected in another country that we like, we talk about democracy. If we don't like them, they're not around for very long. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I posted before, and a lot of people don't know this. This is really important because it blew me away. When we toppled Iraq and we they had national elections, you could vote in the United States for the leader of Iraq. There was a voting place in Farmington Hills where you you didn't even have to live in Iraq. All you had to be was from Iraq, and you got to vote. Yet they won't have the polls open more than a Tuesday. They won't allow mail-in voting. It's absurd. Yeah, I one of the things I always like to, to throw out uh, at the right wing, I guess you could say, uh, whenever we talk about voter fraud or um, you know voter suppression, I always like to challenge what are your ideas to increase voter turnout? Like our voter turnout is pretty poor, especially when you compare it to other countries around the world, even second and third world countries, which can have huge voter turnout. So if you don't like what's going on uh, and you're worried about voter fraud and whatnot, that's fine. We can talk about that. But what do you what are your ideas to improve to improve the democracy, voter turnout, voter participation, voter intelligence. What are your ideas for those? That is always met with crickets every time. They, they have no ideas for that. It's like asking them about healthcare. Well, it's either that or they start to they segue into, oh, you you want voter fraud? There's people that vote. There's people that vote in the city of Detroit five or six times, and it's just utter nonsense. I like you know, your MAGA voice. That's a good one. What's that? I like your MAGA voice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I've got a lot of them. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's pitiful. I have a big family. I have, I have one brother who is kind of out there, and he uh, he occasionally comments on stuff. And, you know, I mean, look, they can say the same thing about me. I don't know. 
I just see that he attracts a lot of very unhappy people. You know, you know, my friend calls him the, the, the guy at the end of the bar talking to himself, you know, complaining about everything. But, you know, that's what we're stuck with for now. Uh, for sure. Well, for now, and, and you know, hopefully uh, there, there will be change and hopefully we'll have great voter participation. Um, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I, it's hard for me to picture what American democracy will look like uh, if he was reelected. It's, it's, it's un, it was unfathomable the first time. It's even more so the second time because he's that much worse and the checks and balances that we were hoping were going to be there are not. And, uh, you know, as I'm going to kind of circle back around to Obamagate and what we're seeing with Obamagate is his unabashed, completely transparent, uh, you know, desire to use his office for political gain against his enemies. And, you know, I don't believe in the sitting duck president any longer. Um, I, it used to be that way. I think that changed. Uh, I don't know who it might have changed with. Probably, probably maybe Obama, but probably before that, um, where, you know, they still worked. And if he's not playing to reelect and just wants to keep his base happy, uh, who, who knows what he might try and do, especially with the DOJ on his side? I, I mean, do we have a DOJ, an AG right now that, is willing to stand up to Trump and not prosecute Democrats for being Democrat. You know, you know, Lindsey Graham, you know, we can say all kinds of things about him. At least he stood up this week and said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not bringing Obama in to the committee. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, it's frightful. Well, Lindsey Graham's a real, <laughs> he's oh. a real stinky piece of shit, if you ask me. But, you know, I mean, he, he's doing that because he's worried that he might lose his reelection. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I had no, I, I, I had no idea that there was that much pressure to be, to get reelected. I, I don't know why that is. I mean, that, that you have people that are so afraid of not being reelected that they completely change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, they'd have to get a real job. Well, yeah, it's, I guess. A trip. it's a power <laughs> trip. It, but then, then let me ask you: if if Lindsey Hunter, if Lindsey Hunter, Lindsey Hunter, <laughs> oh, basketball, if, if bottoms Graham, up. Uh, I I fantasize about live sports every single night. Oh, uh, I do too. If if, if Lindsey Graham thought it would help his re-election chances, do you think he would bring Obama in? Well, I mean... I'm, I'm hoping I, that. I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm looking for some wall, just some, oh. you know, you know, somebody to say no to Trump. I mean... Oh, well, I mean, look at what that other guy from Texas is doing that used to... that was a doctor in the Obama administration 
And now he has decided that he's calling Obama, you know, that they were spying on, uh, you know, I mean, keep in mind, but see, you have to look at the details here. They're accusing Obama of spying on Flynn after the election. Okay. Why would he do that if he was trying to tip the scales? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. My it's ludicrous. Part, my favorite part of the whole thing is Trump fired Flynn for doing what he admitted to doing. People seem to forget that Trump fired Flynn. <laughs> well, not only that, not only that, but now Obama's the bad guy. And that's right. Yeah. Flynn, yeah. Flynn, Flynn worked for Obama. Fl Obama appointed Flynn the. Yep. Uh, the, the director of defense intelligence agency leader. You know, this is a guy who is so hardcore, hates Flynn. Now, I mean, the, these guys, it, it, it comes down to this. All they care about is winning. They will do whatever they have to do to win. And they have the perfect candidate to do it because that's, that's the way he views the world. The world is not about, there's no such thing as right or wrong or, or truth or lies. It's all about winning. And we heard that before. And you're, he is. You're the grassy troll. Yeah. He, he, that's all he cares about. And that's all they care about there. And it's, it's very difficult to deal with that because they prey on people that aren't so bright. You know, as a lawyer, there's many. In, in criminal defense, I don't, I never did a lot of criminal defense because I really didn't want to lend myself to it, but I did do some. And what I see happening in politics now, criminal lawyers have been doing for, for decades. What you do is you run with a story. Reality is for somebody else to see. You create your own reality in the courtroom and that's all that matters. And you don't care about I mean, look at everybody knows O.J. Simpson case. Look at Johnny Cochran. I mean, the things he did were laughable. Yeah. But it was all about putting on that show in the courtroom. And that's what these clowns do. I mean, it, it's they don't care about right or wrong or truth or lie. And from, for that's the biggest reason why they need to go. You know, look at what Barr said in an interview earlier this week. And, um, you, you know, Chuck Todd had to walk it back and NBC had to walk it back. But they shouldn't have walked it back. And if uh, you, you you don't know what I'm talking about, um, you know, the, the question to Barr was, how do you think history is going to look back on either your legacy as AG or this decision on Flynn, whatever it was. And Barr said, history is written by the winners. Oh, but that's been a saying for, for decades. But it's, you know, but I, I'm surprised to hear you using his name. I thought his name was Peter Griffin. From <laughs> uh, did you listen to last week? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A little round up there. But, but you know, and then he went on to qualify. Then he went on to say that, you know, and, and he thinks that regardless of the winner, they're going to look back at this and say that they follow the rule of law. So, you know, Barr is pretty slippery. 
But his first notion that as long as we win, then I'm viewed, I'm viewed as favorable. That is what he meant. And the rest of it was just giving himself plausible deniability if he was called out on that. Because oftentimes, you know, they don't think before they speak. And he blurted that out and then then he covered it up. And and if I, you know, I, I don't I don't think that NBC should have said, well, that's really not, you know, that wasn't the full context. Because it really was. And he really does well, and that winning no. part all what they're about. I, I think what's a little bit surprising about what they're doing is they're they're not disguising it at all. I mean no, they're done uh, with it. Right. To me, that's what's kind of shocking and surprising about all of this is that they literally are saying, you know, I'm going to take your lunch money and there ain't anything you're going to do about it. Well, and and the American public, I guess, is just sitting there like, ooh, ooh, okay, You know, well, do you remember? I mean, when, uh, you know, Trump was tweeting about how unfair Roger Stone was getting treated. And then, and, and and then Peter Griffin says, "You know, you're making my job harder. Stop doing that." Did he stop doing it? No. You know what I mean? Did the AG do anything about it? No. In fact, what did the AG do about it? He did his beck and call, and he dropped the Flynn case. I mean, I mean it, and that's as transparent as it gets. They they, and and then their rationale to drop the the, the Flynn case was just as weak. And, you know, maybe the judge is not going to have it. We'll have to see how that plays out. But but so far, the judge seems to be saying, you guys, you got to give me more. You got to you got to give me more information on this because I'm I'm not ready to let you drop this. Well, this is all part of another major. I mean, there's a few long term philosophies that I think have happened in this country over the last five decades. I'll tell you one real quick that that I don't want to get into depth with because I could talk hours about this stuff, but one of them is that we're living in the age of TV and advertising, and the truth doesn't mean the same thing that it meant before the 1960s. We're not interested in the truth. Americans, if anything, just want to be lied to. They want to hear about the best car on the road. They, You know, I mean, advertising is just legal lying for the most part. And so the idea of what's right and wrong and what's honest and dishonest is completely out the door. Americans are interested. Just like what you said about lawyers. It's, it's creating a different reality. Oh, exactly. But, but then the second thing that I have really had a problem with for the last 20 or 30 years is this notion that there's two parties and there's only two parties. Because it creates this zero-sum game where what's bad for you is good for me. And what that means is nobody really stands up there to be judged for themselves. Instead, they throw shit at the other guy. And what it and unfortunately, that's tied to the biggest issue of all, which is campaign finance. But because I don't know if you ever – I'm a big fan of cartoons. And one of my favorite cartoons is Foghorn Leghorn. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but he's a big rooster. And there's this one, uh, I think that's the, the characters, but there's this one episode where they're guarding the hen house and the one guy clocks in 
and the other guy clocks out and they just say, have a good day, Herb. You know, that's to me, one of the big problems is that we have two choices and they're both kind of crushed by campaign finance. So they both are kind of beholden to one. So it's kind of like when you say to your kids, do you want to go to bed now or do you want to go to bed in 10 minutes? You know, there's very limited choices. So the American public has to take it. I would love to see a viable third party in this country. I would absolutely love it because what we would have then is an adult in the room that would that would stand up and say, look at these two talking about stupid things. Uh, but unfortunately, our, our system's pretty entrenched. So I don't I don't expect to see that anytime soon. Bring back Ralph Nader. <laughs> yeah, yes and no. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. I studied political science in undergraduate. And, you know, the European countries have uh, parliamentarian uh, forms of government where you have to have a majority of people to become prime minister in your country. So what that means is there's all kinds of coalition building. Okay. And when there's coalition building, you don't get that zero sum game where what's bad for you is good for me. And I used to think that our system was better, but now I think their system is better that you don't end up with, with two sides that don't give an inch and governments being locked down because it's, it's tit for tat nonsense. I don't, um, I don't hold that much hope for the third party. You know, like I said, we just got to beat them back. Uh, are we thirsty for another beer? Mm-hmm. I think it's time. Yeah, because this one is not going to get finished, I don't think. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, was, I, I was promised that I could go to the bathroom. And I agreed. <laughs> so I don't have this second beer, but I do have another beer that I'll be happy to to drink while you guys are drinking this other beer. Okay. All right. Yeah. That get your beer. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Well, Potoms Up is back from a much needed PP break, and uh, we've we have visited the Trove. For beer number two, and uh, we have a Griffin Claw. You figure it out, which is a difficult thing to figure out the way they did it. But uh, it looks like a little tiki monster with a uh, mermaid. So I'm not quite sure what's going on here. It's sort of a whole Polynesian theme. Yeah, um, you know, this is like the idol from the Brady Bunch. That's what I thought. <laughs> When they went to Hawaii and uh, Greg almost died surfing, it was it was really riveting. Hey, hey! B- before we start on this, yeah, here I got I got a little treat. Okay, what would that be? Little foghorn, leghorn. Oh, oh 
<laughs> I thought that was I thought that was we want Granny for Possum Queen from the oh. Beverly Hillbilly. Uh, That's what I thought too. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how the audio sounded. Plus, I'm I'm watching the video. You know, when 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 you were going into your analogy, uh, Leon on on Foghorn Leghorn, I, I was also kind of thinking that it could have been Pot Full of Fun Kit Number Seven. What? What is that? So that's another episode where him and the dog, his, you know, arch enemy in the barn. Right. Right. They both get taken by the same con man who sells them pot full of fun kit number seven. Boy, get you are an, I, I, I came up with the wrong thing to bring up here. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love I love those cartoons. You, you know, you're, like greatest. You look back now and you're like, whoa, man, there's some like racy stuff in there. Oh, like, sure. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, that wouldn't that wouldn't cut it on Paw Patrol. You know, it's my favorite all time of Foghorn Leghorn is where he goes. Boy, boy, he's talking to the dog. He goes, boy, 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 boy we, we need to bury the axe. And the dog kind of covers up. He goes, yeah. not in your pointed head, boy. <laughs> not in your pointed head, boy. Okay. Back to the beer. Okay. Now, I, I, I kind of picked this beer up mostly because of the coconut part. Because we had so many... Um, Interesting coconut beer uh, choices in the past, and there were very few that delivered. So I was kind of hoping this one might be the one. And like I mentioned earlier, the the whole not quite letting go of the nasty winter season. So the stout's sort of hanging on for that part. Hopefully letting go of the nasty flamingo fight. Yeah, that, that was not a good, uh, not an, uh, some problems with that one. Okay, so uh, coconut vanilla milk stout, 6%, and uh, they put the IBUs at 15, so certainly not going to be hoppy. Nope. I, uh, I have some additional information on uh, this type of beer here. Uh, according to a mutual friend of ours there, Fred, uh, we were talking some stouts last night and um, I think I, I, I was, I brought this beer up because I'd said, I remember asking him, you know, have you had this one or have you seen it? And I said, you know, we've often been disappointed by the coconut stouts and coconut porters that we've had. Um, uh, oftentimes they don't really deliver on all the notes that you're expecting. And somebody else mentioned the same, the same thing about a peanut butter stout or, you know, and I've said chocolate stouts sometimes, um, you know, seem lacking. They might be good beers, but the, the, you want a little bit more of those flavors to punch, um, punch in the face. And um, what he said, and I don't know if we talked about this with GZ was we may be, serving them at too cold a temperature and and that to really get the the full flavor of these beers 
um, they should be served at a slightly higher temperature than, than what your, you know, 37 degree beers should be at. I like my beer about 33 degrees. Um, per- but I don't know, you know, and so then I, I got to thinking, you know, maybe the, again, you know, we talk about marketing and information on the cans. Maybe that's something that they should put on the cans, right? Best served at. X amount of temperature, yeah. You know? Okay, who's tried their beer? I've had some, and I, I if you're talking about Oscar, I might actually have to disagree with them because I think I detect a fairly strong coconut flavor. Oh, we should say. Uh, I, I remiss. Uh, Leon doesn't have his beer, and neither does Knobs. So, nope. so you, you and I are going to talk about this and uh, very quickly, and then we'll, we'll bring in what what their libations are. Uh, yeah, well, this... I hate coconut, so I'm I'm thrilled to not be part of this. I just do not like coconut. Well, then you wouldn't like this one because I agree with Fred wholeheartedly. Coconut does punch you in the face. Yeah, very, it, very. It's strong. not hiding. Mm. And it's a welcomed relief after the last beer. <laughs> Anything would be. Um, so I'm, I'm going to kind of keep this a little brief. I, I just, I'm going for me on this. I like coconut. I like stouts. This one's delivering. I just wish it was a little more carbonated. It was very low carbonation. I, I tried to pour ahead and it did not cooperate. Uh, the coconut's not overpowering. It's okay. Um. Yeah, it's it's not too bad. I, it's got a vanilla finish. I'm kind of picking that up at the end. It's coconut up front, punch you in the face, and then uh, the vanilla on the tail end. Not too bad. Yep, I I like it. I'd say right now it's for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Leon, what do you, what do you got? What do you? What do you well, enjoy? I went with a very unconventional. It's called Lite. It's a fine Pilsner beer. It's made by Miller Brewing Company. L I T E. No, really, getting back to featured beer, honestly, if you had to make me list 10 things I don't like, two of them would be stout and coconut. <laughs> I don't know why. I've never been a big stout beer drinker, but, you know, I'm a lightweight. I like lighter beers. I like Pilsners, some uh, some lagers. I, li- I like a good lager, but I'm not a big stout drinker. Uh, hang out with Pottoms up enough, and we could probably convert. Maybe. Uh, and, Knobs, what do you got? Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but I have a <clears throat> Bell's Oberon Ale. Oh, okay. Oberon. Ah, oh, never heard, heard, heard of that. that. I might have heard of that. Uh, does it have an orange slice in it? Uh, nope. No, it does not. That's good stuff, though. No, I uh, I searched a few different places for that beer. Am I in the ocean? Uh, a few different places for that beer. Um, it's not in my area. Yeah, I went to the beer store down the road from me, and they're like, nope, distributors don't have it yet up here so couldn't find it yeah well but you're not a coconut fan either are you no i'm not so this kind of works out (laughs) yes it does 
Yeah, Leon and Nobbs are pretty happy with their misfortune of not finding the beer. Uh, well, and I'm feeling very fortunate with what we have here, Fred. Yeah, it's not so bad. Well, good. I think that's great. No, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I, when people listen to me give my opinion, you, you just have to understand where I'm coming from. I love. I have no problem with people saying to me. I don't really like what you like. No problem at all. I mean, I think you have to be uh, living in fantasy world if you think that everything you like, everybody else is going to like. So, I mean, I, I and that's why I say what I did when I tried this unique beer that I have. That uh, if you guys like that, I'm sure I'm sure you love it. Uh, you know, it's kind of yeah. interesting, Leon. Is that? <clears throat> I'm pretty much an IPA kind of guy, and Blotto was on sort of the other end of the spectrum. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not big into the IPA scene. Although, you know, I mean, I, I'll try anything, and I've had really good ones that I love. So, you know, I mean, I, I, one of the great things about the time we live in is the beer selection. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's unbelievable. You can drink a different beer every day for five years. And, we and we're, will. we're working on it. We, 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 we really, <laughs> you know, when we first started, I, I don't think we ever really legitimately thought we'd run out of beer. But, you know, it was kind of maybe like, how many are we going to have? And is it going to be difficult to find, you know, more beers? And, and Michigan is such a mecca for craft beers. And then, you know, the, the big breweries and the small breweries are just turning out so many new flavors. Uh, we, we have even, you know, we've hardly even put a dent in what's packaged. Hey, sure. Lotto, I got a question. Yeah. So when your brewery purchase comes through, yeah, is the first new brew going to be Potoms Up Brew? Oh, <laughs> um. I hadn't thought about it, but it's a possibility. I guess the real question is what. What do you mean a be? possibility? That sounded very tepid to me. Well, what kind of come on, man? Hey, it Blotto. doesn't matter. It, we, Blotto, it, I have. I it have does four, That's all that matters. Yeah. I have four cans of a fruity tasting beer that you could repackage. <laughs> <laughs> Try to drive away his customers. <laughs> Um, I, I think there's probably a better chance there's going to be, uh, a, a beer named Blotto <laughs> and, and, and a, and a beer named the Grassy Troll. Oh, hey, I'm all for that. That, that's wow. a good name. Okay. I was, I was just about to call you a narcissist until you mentioned the Grassy Troll part. And then I was like, hey, yeah, I could see that. Now, I don't know about a beer called Knobs. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to leave you out there, Knobs. I'm just trying to think of what that can look like. I can picture it. We'll, we'll discuss it later. All right. Uh, so, um, Fred, uh, when, when I met you this afternoon, I... Uh, I swung by and I picked up a couple beers, but then I went to the store to get the the other flavor. And I got to tell you, 
I used to love going to the grocery store. Like going to the grocery store has always been a thrill for me, even back when I was a kid. And I don't know what it is now, but I'm starting to think it's the whole mask thing. And I wear a mask because it's the right thing to do, but I don't enjoy it. And I kind of feel like it's having this negative impact on society. Whether you're anti-mask or not. And and uh, I'm just not really sure how this is going to play out over the next couple of weeks and months. What do you think? Why do you think you're supposed to enjoy wearing a mask? Uh, put, I'm, being, I'm trying to be nice about it. What if I said oh. I hated it? Join the club. So, so okay. So now this is this is the problem, right? So now you're walking around, and you hate, like like the circumstances are uncomfortable, and and so does that put you on edge? I, 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 another anecdote comes to mind. I was talking to my sister, and she works at a retail shop sometimes, uh, selling wine, and normally Michigan wine. Uh, <laughs> of course not. There's no <laughs> such thing in her world. I know. And normally everyone is very, very friendly. But since they've had to wear masks, people aren't friendly anymore. And, you know, she's also been kind of messing around a little bit and trying different things about like, you know, does, do attitudes change if she drops her mask? I, I mean, is there a psychology at play here right now with the mask? And, 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 and Leon, I'd like to get your opinion on that as well. Well, there absolutely is. I mean, this is, in fact, not only is there, but this is one of the major, major points of the GOP. They love promoting the individual. It's all about the individual to them. And to think of anything other than the individual is blasphemy to them. And it's, a, and it's a very, very sad form of manipulation because it, it gets, it motivates a certain segment and it, it's where you end up is a really bad area. And, and that's what we're kind of segueing into. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, you know, we were six feet apart, so don't get, don't think I was being crazy. Uh, but we were, we were well, talking you sound great I, right through your mask right now. I mean, that's, it's, it's amazing. Well, that's because I, earlier I was wearing two and I took one of them off. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway I, wanted to, I wanted to say that we were talking about it and, and I said, you know, I just wish they had their own place. They could live in their place and we could all live in our place. And that would be, you know, that would be fine with me. And they, they kind of jokingly said, well, we do. They live in the South. Well, but, I was gonna, well, if they had their own place, they would have slaves. So it's glad, you know, well, I'm glad that, that, that they don't. And well, you know, I always say that we lost the Civil War because we're stuck with the, that, you know, that <laughs> awful population from here, you know, for eternity. But, uh, you know, I mean, really, and I mean this, I mean this very, very seriously. The individual is at the heart of their motivations. That's they, 
that's why they believe in what they believe for for gun control and all that stuff because they want to be able to preach the individual you know divide and conquer and uh you know and i think i even posted on facebook the other day that this this virus is a real test for them because this virus is coming out there and it's saying you know you better think collectively or you're going to have some big problems and a lot of them are having a big big trouble with that they do not want to think they don't want to be bothered by the guy that's approaching them and, and is going to be right in their face they don't want to think about that they want to be able to have what they want to have and not think about anybody else well what's really one of the strengths of a um mature and advanced society is the notion that you know the, the 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 many are more important than the few and the one right um i think foghorn leghorn said that and probably uh he was wise he was he was very wise but um <laughs> and uh you know the uh, the idea that your um, that their liberties somehow have to, you know, stop or end when they infringe upon another person's liberties, that doesn't matter to them. They don't see that as, uh, as, as, as being societal, uh, uh, response, you know, socially responsible. You know, they don't, they don't see it that way. They just see it as you are infringing on on my rights, and they also kind of feel as though their rights are are completely unlimited. I saw a meme that said uh, something, um, and it was a anti-protester up in Lansing this week, and it said something to the effect of, um, you know, I'll drive drunk if I want; it's my car. And, you know, that kind of parlays right into what you were saying. It's, it's be damned what I do to society while, while driving drunk. That's, that's, that's not my, what I'm, what I'm about. It's my car, it's my alcohol, it's my body and, you know, my freedom and pursuit of what I call happiness uh, has no limits, even if it infringes upon somebody else's uh, uh, similar rights. And, um, you know, I think that's in large part, a, a part of the, um, um, the polarization that we're seeing and it's playing out over this idea of having to wear a mask. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how crazy it's getting over the mask. Well, I think well, if you take, if you make them wear a mask, then, they can't shoot the person they want to shoot. That's really, to me, what it comes down to. <laughs> you're like in, you know, you're disrupting their freedoms in those respects. I, well, that's because you want them to put a mask on their gun, and they're not they're not ready to do that. Muzzle it, right? Right, um, muzzle tough. Fred, whatever that means. Um, yeah, no, I, I just think it's, it's um, you know, one of the things, and yeah, we've already kind of talked about 
this um, th this idea that I, I might be buying a, a, a brewery restaurant. So that kind of cat's out of the bag here in Potsdam. But one of the things that we've been talking about is how, how strict are we going to be in enforcing whatever protocols that come down from the state? Because it's going to end up in a lot of confrontation. And it's going to put people in positions that they shouldn't have to be in. And, you know, it, it's, it's rather frightening. It, it really is. You know, no, I, it I, is. I mean, I don't know where I come out on this, this virus thing. I mean, to me, it's a very small thing to ask to wear a mask. I, I, I don't get it. But you get, again, you have to understand this is their big rallying cry. Right. That you're in, they, they, want, they want to rile up the people that, you know, he's telling you what to do. When I was like 18, I worked with a guy in Michigan had started, had did the seatbelt law. And this guy was outraged. There is no way he was wearing a seatbelt. You know, and I just thought like why don't you think about something of, of consequence <laughs> instead of that? You know, I mean, this is going to sound really awful, but I'm going to say it anyway. Most, most people are sheep. Most people just, they don't want to think about the things that we're talking about today. They just want to live their life. And, you know, and I, I'm perfectly fine with that. But when you start getting into life and death issues, it makes a big difference. To me, the problem isn't, the person not wearing the mask and taking the risk of getting sick. The problem is the most effective part of a mask is to prevent the people around you from getting sick. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's no, it's no mystery why this is becoming a big issue. This is one of their red meat issues for the right. They love trying to tell everybody that they're, they're trying to make you into a socialist. And well, you know, independence. The, the other it's, thing, the other thing, scary. That, that they do well, and we hit on this. I think it was last week a little bit. Is they know how to gin up their base, like, like they know how to get people energized. And you know, the left still doesn't get very energized about anything that they do wrong. You know that they do wrong. Like we say, oh, they shouldn't do that. And where's the law? And we're kind of outraged, but it doesn't really drive us like the way that the right gets driven about, you know, things like masks, you know, I, well, I, I'll go a step further. The biggest problem for the Democrats is they don't talk about the things they do right. I mean, I, the other day, somebody posted we're always somewhere. playing defense, always playing defense. Well, not, not, not only that, this is what it reminds me of. When I was in college, I had a teacher who was on the Council of Economic Advisors under Kennedy. I mean, he was a huge big shot in economics. He was brilliant. He was completely clueless about teaching. And when he talked, he assumed everybody knew what he did. And so therefore, what you had was a bunch of students struggling to try and understand it. In my view, that's one of the Democrats' problem. Talk about who is 
Who has made the world safe? Who, ha who has been the one that has made food safe for Americans, has made the workplace safe for Americans, has made social security for Americans? You know, you'll be, a, and the problem is you and I know this, but you, we don't understand that a lot of people don't. A lot of people do not. I had a conversation with a right-wing idiot down the street from me about a year ago, and he's going on and on about taxes. And I looked at him and I said, taxes right now are about half of what they were 40 years ago. And he looked at me and says, no way. There, there's no way. And, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. th 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 this is, but the Democrats need to talk about what they are for so people understand. We don't have safe food. We don't have safe work atmospheres. We don't have collective bargaining. We don't have responsible health care and, and consumer product screening without the Democrats. In my money, the Republicans bring almost nothing to the table for and the average American. It, it's really not it's really not just labeling them because of the Democrats. Like like I when I have those conversations, most of the time I try and stay away from labels. You know, it's because of policies that were created to benefit society. That 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 is you know, oftentimes a way that I will put put this so I'm not, you know, because as soon as you throw up Democrat, uh, you know, or socialism, then, you, you know, they run away with their hair on fire. Well, but they don't need to. They need to become, they need to be transformed. And I, I have every belief they can be. But another thing that the, that the, that the Republicans are willing to do that the Democrats are not willing to do is the Republicans are they don't care if if they if the american people suffer tremendously if they make their point they really don't care they will not do a bailout they you know they they and they'll and they'll do it and they'll just blame the democrats for something that went wrong and you're going to see that in the next few months oh, yeah yeah you're going to see that in a big big way this notion of um uh, you, you know, just being for themselves. I, I got into this Facebook argument with this person who said, why should she wear a mask? If I'm worried about catching it, I don't have to leave the house. Exactly. And, and I thought to myself, well, first of all, the idea that no one ever leaves the house in, in today's world is is almost laughable, right? I mean, as we are in stay at home, lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, people still have to do things. And so there's always that. But I, I almost wanted to go at it with some math and said, okay, you're the grocery store clerk. And, you know, you know, this virus is out there. Do the chances of you getting the virus go down if 30 people go into the store and they're all wearing masks versus 500 people go into the store and none of them are wearing masks. Like we know the answer to that. So, so obviously, you know, it's, it's about protecting the grocery store worker. That's what well, yeah, but, but, you know, I mean, you know, just, let me just say this. Okay. 
we're not all alike. For some reason, me and I suspect the three of you, we care about other people. A lot of people, a lot of people don't. You know, I have, there's a guy in my office building. There's a guy in my office building who, who literally said to me 10 years ago, he said, I don't know why you care so much about those people on the other side of Mac Avenue. And, you know, I mean, it, 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 this is a, it's a very intense issue because it's true. I mean, you can have people that were raised in the same family have profoundly different ideas of, of who they care about and how willing they're, they are to, to draw the circle of who they care about. But, you know, there's an awful lot of people and, and, the the rat race that we live in causes some people to say, you know what, it's all I can do to to have my family get what they need. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. And unfortunately, that's that's a lot of what you have nowadays. Yeah, um, you know, there there was another aspect of, of the whole mask thing that I was kind of thinking about, other than the uncomfortableness of it and the political polarization of it, which is just beyond me. Um, and it, it's kind of just a, a, on the lighter side. And that is the personalization, right? And I don't know how many masks you have. Uh, I have three. Uh, Fred, how, how many how many masks do you have right now? Oh, let's see. I have one. M95. Is that what the number is? Yeah. Real heavy M95. Duty yeah. I have one of those. You, you save that one for the Walmart, probably. <sighs> I haven't used it actually yet. <laughs> I keep it's it's with my um Hazel's nuts beer. I, I just afraid to use either one. Um <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I have one Hazel's nuts in my fridge, and I'm afraid to drink it. I'm, I'm saving it because well, I'm saving it. I'm saving it. Okay, good. Here's 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 solid advice. Don't save it. All right. Don't, I remember reading about this with with fine wines. Unless you're saving it to share with somebody special, mm. drink it because it that'll never happen. Better on a special occasion than it does. If you just decided to have meatloaf, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the drink and don't, don't put too much emotion into it. So that's my advice. Noted. Okay. As far as mask goes, I got my one M95 and then I have a, a number of like typical surgical masks. I probably, cause we, we, uh, we got some from uh, DoorDash. From they what? For DoorDash. Oh, DoorDash. I thought you said Jordash. <laughs> no, no, Door, DoorDash. Designer mask. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, were they, were they denim with a little horse on the stitch <laughs> into it? Or? <laughs> no, no. I would say I, I have probably six or seven masks plus the M95. N, N as in Nancy. N. And uh, uh, we got some from um, yesterday. We we thought we'd try some of the uh, cloth ones that you wash. Yeah. And uh, a friend of ours' mother made them, 
and I can't get them over my ears. <laughs> well, the homemade ones, it's tricky that, you know, for them to make them the right size. Right? Tricky? I mean, These are pulling my ears. Well, that's like what I mean. For, for some people, they're too big and some people, they're too small. And you almost have to have them custom fitted. Pop-Tart was definitely supporting the local cottage industries around here because anybody that was making masks, she said, I will buy them. So, you know, for a while there, she was, you know, driving around the city and running up to people's porches and putting money in their mailboxes and grabbing a bag full of masks. So I've kind of limited it down to three that are all very situational. Well, what what I've got to say about these masks is, you know, whether you want to believe it or not, it is turning into the maggot red hats versus the masks. And, and I'm sorry, but that that is the way it's going. The people on the right are refusing to wear the masks because it makes them look weak or I don't know. But I'm going to continue to wear the masks I have because I want to stay alive and, and I don't want to inflict anything on anybody else because they don't deserve it. You know, it's interesting you, you say that because when I was in the store today and I see someone without a mask, certainly I'm drawing a, a prejudice upon what their political ideology is. Well, you're probably right? okay. doing it probably reasonably close. Right. No, it's 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 not unfounded. It's still a prejudice, but it's it's, it's it has some basis to it, I believe. Um yeah, I, I don't I but at the same time, as I said earlier, I you know, I, I think there's some real negative drawbacks of everyone wearing masks too. I mean, we're doing it because we're trying to be responsible social citizens. That's why we're doing it. The state has asked us to do it. Health officials have asked us to do it. We feel as though it is in some small way going to make a difference, maybe keep somebody else from getting sick or worse. So we do it. It's a minor inconvenience. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have an impact. And, you know, one of the things I also noticed today was it was more uncomfortable. And today was only, what, about 70 degrees, maybe not even. You know, when 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 we get up to 80 degrees, uh, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be really difficult. Yeah, I'm still good. Well, I mean, it depends on how much you're out. It sounds like you're out and about. I, I Honestly, I have two or three masks. I very rarely wear them because I'm usually at home. I go to my office and I'm the only person there. So I'm not wearing a mask. I mean, it's it's very limited. If I, of course, if I go to stores, but you know, I, I the the American driving force of fashion and and peer <laughs> pressure is really amazing. Because I want you to know something. Where I live, you better have a mask on because everybody wears a mask where I live. It's so I love where I live. It's very interesting where I live because 25 years ago, you would have thought it's right wing haven. 
it's exactly the opposite right now. I live in one of the more progressive places around because there's a lot of intelligent people and they see the nonsense that that the Republican Party has become. And it's it's frankly kind of embarrassing to a lot of them. Yeah, no, I, I don't get out that much. Like I said, today I had to make a run to the grocery store um, and I just noticed that the, the the warmth of it, you know. So I have three masks. Um, you, you know, I have what, you know, like my everyday one, right? It's got the wire in it. A lot of people like the wire. I like the wire. Then I have one that's uh, beer bottles, which I, I actually wish the pattern was different. I wish it looked like I was drinking a beer. Okay. I'm with you on the heat, though. But, you know, when it when it gets warm, it's uncomfortable. See, I've worn masks before because I love to do manual work. And, you know, like if you're sanding. Yeah, right. Under certain, you know, it, it, it's nasty to wear a mask for a long period of time. And I, I, I really feel for the people that work in hospitals. I can't even imagine. You know, I wear glasses, too. I can't even imagine wearing a wearing a mask for eight hours straight it's got to be awful you know i've um um I, i've been to asia a number of times and uh it's always hot and humid and you know many people there opt to wear a mask um all the time um it's it, it, you know before covid it was not uncommon at all to see people in the streets of, you know, Shanghai or Hong Kong wearing a mask. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think, certainly it didn't carry any political stigma to it, but secondarily, I don't think it carried, it, I don't think it made other people feel uncomfortable or agitated. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it was just part of routine uh, for many, like I said, not, I'm sure there's many more people wearing masks there now, but uh, but at the time to, to see someone wearing a mask, you know, um, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even bat an eye. You wouldn't say, "Why is that person wearing a mask?" Um, but I think here we still have a long way to go. If uh, you know, as these pandemics sort of spike, um, you, you know, and 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 we still haven't figured out how to tackle them. And, you know, the, the health health officials come out and say, Hey, you know, please put on your mask again. Um, I, I don't know if America's going to be able to handle that. It's too hard. It's way too hard. You know, this con <laughs> our, our country yeah. is weak in this, this kind of aspect. They really are. Oh, it's course. it's too it's so hard to wear this mask to the protect your American, fellow citizen. The only thing Americans are really good at that requires any effort is saluting the flag. You know, I mean, if you look at the things that Americans do for what they consider patriotic, it's laughable. Yeah. All you have to do is say to somebody, thank you for your service, and that absolves you of all guilt for people coming back from war in wheelchairs with limbs removed. All you have to say to them is thank you for your service, and I that's get, it. 
I, you know what? It makes me cynical, and I hate to be that way about that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm very cynical about it because yeah. now, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm fine with thanking them, but too many people just feel like, oh, well, you know, I said thank you, and and that's the end of it. That's nonsense. You know, you know what you're seeing on that is you're starting to see a backlash with everyone kind of treating the frontline workers and health workers and grocery store workers and 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 frontline people i'm starting to to see a lot of memes and commentary about don't thank us just do what you're supposed to do like right. you know it's, it's almost patronizing to say you know to applaud as we walk by and you know we've just put in a 20 hour shift and and you know we've got bruises around our eyes i yeah i i I know that there's there's becoming sort of that backlash of um, your your thank yous really don't mean much. Well, yes and no. I mean, it, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to go down this path, but I, I, I got a real I really don't like I really don't like the way conservatives have created this ideology that requires no self-sacrifice at all. I mean, most of the things they believe in involve no sacrifice whatsoever. And to me, it's pathetic. You know, I mean, if if that was the case, this country wouldn't even exist if there was no sacrifice. I mean, we can go up and down the issues that they believe in, and none of them require any sacrifice at all. And if they did require a sacrifice, it was fake sacrifice. You know, it's 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 very irritating, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I I'm I'm still optimistic. I want you to. I, I mean, if you if you get anything from me about the kind of person I am, just think of this. I look at this whole thing and I see what's on those red hats, and I believe it because I believe that at the end of this, you're going to see what makes America great. You're going to see that, I mean, this didn't happen in the past. These, these despots like this guy were able to flourish. Look, pick up the New York Times. Look at what people put on Facebook. I have a friend who never stops screaming about the president of the United States. You can't do that in other places. This is the greatest country in the world because of what you're seeing with the pushback against this guy. And I, I mean, I refuse to believe that this is going to end any other way other than a huge party in November because America is great again. In Caseville. In Caseville. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do some potoms up then. I would. I would I would go there for that. Well, we'll have a, a, a big party in Caseville. Uh, all right. Uh, Fred or Nobs, anything to add? Last thoughts on the beer? Mm. It's okay. I think it's for me. Uh, yeah, I'm going all in on this. I, I would absolutely pick it up again. Uh, Leon, I'm sure you're going to pick up your uh, Malar Latai again, right? <laughs> I might. I might. <laughs> And uh, Nobbs has a little-known beer. Uh, maybe someday it's going to become more popular. 
Yeah, I think I think it has a chance. Um, maybe there'll be an entire day, uh, like in the, the springtime when it gets released. Um, just an idea. You know, Bell's hit me up. I got some marketing ideas for your new beer. Now, they had to cancel it this year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, officially. All right, Leon. Appreciate uh, you joining us today. It was uh, awesome to get your insights and thoughts. It was fun. It was fun for me. You guys are good guys. You guys are good guys. Don't stop doing this. Keep fighting the good fight. Uh, okay, we will. <laughs> and next time we have you on, we'll have it, you know, around the table. All sharing yeah. the same beer. That would be great. That would be great. We'll get a Pilsner, though. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. All right, well. All right, guys. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Yeah. Politics. Some culture and craft beer. Politics. And that is why you're here. Politics. I don't